Welcome back to The Breakdown, an everyday analysis breaking down the most important stories in Bitcoin, crypto, and beyond with your host, NLW. The Breakdown is distributed by Coindesk. Welcome back to The Breakdown's end-of-year extravaganza. So today we have our first double interview. Um, Well, actually, it's two individual interviews, but they had some common threads that I thought might work together. So the first interview is with Rob Payone, better known perhaps as Crypto Bobby, got his start as a crypto YouTuber, has worked for numerous crypto startups, and just recently this year launched Proof of Talent, a technical recruiting firm for the crypto industry. Um, And then secondly, we have Preethi Casaretti, who was ex-Coinbase, hashtag Coinbase Mafia, uh, and is now the founder of True Story, which is a debate platform that uses blockchains in interesting ways. So uh, the common thread, I think, for these interviews is the idea that this year was a little bit subtle, a little bit behind the scenes, a little bit buildy, and that maybe next year might look something similar, right? It wasn't necessarily a big fireworks year. It was something a little bit different. So I hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, please subscribe to make sure that you don't miss any of the breakdowns end of year coverage. Um, Hope you're having a great holiday wherever you are, and I will catch you tomorrow. Welcome back. We have here Mr. Crypto Bobby himself. What's going on, man? Uh, Not too much. How you doing? I am well. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, Proof of Talent. Uh, Tell everyone quickly about Proof of Talent. It's a, it's a, I guess it's still a new project. It's probably been a year and I just don't even notice anymore because time is such a weird thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, so back in June, I started a recruiting firm. It's a technical recruiting firm that works exclusively with companies in the blockchain and cryptocurrency industry. So work with about 15 different companies, primarily US-based, helping them to find software engineers, biz dev, ops, kind of all the, the whole nine yards from a talent standpoint um, and just help them grow their companies. Amazing. And so obviously I know, um, you know, I know, I, I know you through, through Twitter and through, you've worked in this space for a while. And part of the, part of the reason that I think that it's going to be really interesting to chat with you about this, uh, this kind of end of year idea is like, you know, looking across, uh, you, you have to have kind of a breadth of understanding of what's going on and trends that are happening in the industry, right? I mean, obviously you have the, the specifics that relate to what types of skills people need and which companies are hiring, which maybe suggests for what sectors, but I, just in general, you kind of have to keep a pretty big bird's eye view of, of things, it, it seems to me. Yeah, typically, I, I try to just overall, like watch the different narratives that are occurring, but usually a pretty wide scope of things. And for the most part, not too, too deep on a lot of topics, unless it now relates to recruiting. But yeah, I try to have a pretty, pretty wide scope of, of what's happening and understanding what's going on within the industry. Yeah, I think it's super valuable to have to 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 hear also from folks who are have that kind of uh, you know breadth of view. So I guess like with that, let's just dive into the the first the first of these two uh, big meaty questions, which is what do you think you know when when all is said and done, the story of 2019 was, or you know the narrative that that we'll remember 2019 for. 2019 to me is it's an interesting year. Because when you look back, at least in like my opinion, like when you look back at a lot of the notable maybe events, I think it's almost a year of just like static interest in a lot of ways. Like when you look at something like 2017, you know, it was the massive bull run. It was the ICO rush. I think a lot of people classify 2018 as kind of that crash down um, and associated with that. As far as the narrative 
for 2019, a lot of it to me just kind of seems like maintaining the status quo. Yes, there are a number of notable events that have happened. Yes, there's new regulation. There's been a lot of regulatory action and and there's been some projects that have succeeded and some that have fallen off. But for the most part, there hasn't been a just a ton of like mass movement, especially on the side of just like, quote unquote, adoption. Um, I still feel like from from 2018 to 2019, the industry is still largely the same people uh, kind of functioning within it. And there really hasn't been that much growth in 2019 to speak of. Yeah, no, I think it it's like it's for sure been a a more quiet year, you know, in some ways. Um I feel like if you, you know, like even even within the context of like individual project communities, I feel like a lot of uh of these communities turned inward a little bit and focused more on, you know, trying to build what they wanted to build or, you know, bringing people into the fold to, you know, uh, to 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 really get them in deep rather than um just kind of trying to, you know, make announcements about announcements and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like when I when I look back at things, I think ultimately 2019 uh, has been a good year for the space because there has been a lot of infrastructure that's been built out. There's just it's it's a more concrete space than it was uh, in the past. I think there's there's been a lot of improvements that have been made, whether it's on the quote unquote institutional side or more on like the retail consumer facing side or just like with the with the, the tech in, in general and the usability of, of a lot of it in general, um, I think there have been a lot of, of improvements. But like with that said, those improvements have mostly, and it's your point, in some cases, either fallen on deaf ears or uh, have just largely gone on rec- unrecognized for now, which um, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good. It's just the industry is just kind of trucking, al- trucking along this year for the most part. I think you I think you're right. And I think you see that too, even in sometimes in the sentiment, like one of the things that I thought was funny is, you know, basically ever since we like, you know, raced up to like 14, it's been like these periods of, you know, resetting to some new level, and then just hanging out there for like three weeks. And by the time we've been at some price level for three weeks, even when it was like 10,000, and like a month and a half earlier, it had been a, you know, like, way less than that. uh, People get bored. You know, and they're like, "Oh, this is stupid. This industry's boy." They start to pick fights and stuff, and I think there's a there's definitely a, a a little bit of that sense of just like the the slog to it. You know, yeah. And I'm still at the point, and I I don't think I'm necessarily in the minority when I say this, but I still think that the the killer use case for the industry at large is still and will likely remain for the foreseeable future to be speculation and. When there is a period of low volatility and there's not much to speculate on, you see the community kind of just eat each other and attack, uh, you know, attack everybody from kind of different angles, which can, I think, for a lot of people get get frustrating as well. Um, there's a lot of infighting and you have a lot of people asking questions like, we're never going to grow the industry if we're just sitting here yelling and fighting at each other back and forth. And a lot of times it does feel like that. But then to the other you know, to the other side of the coin with that, I think that uh, some of the interactions and some of the hubbub that you see on social media and Twitter and that type of thing, a lot of times there's a whole large group of people that that just don't consume that and really don't care about it. So I think we have a tendency to overrate that sometimes as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that we we overestimate the significance of it sometimes, even if it's reasonable to uh, be frustrated and want less of it, um, for sure. 
Uh, okay, well, so so I think you know this the 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 segue then or the the question is if this has been this sort of you know building year and you know just chugging along year and kind of behind the scenes year. What do you what are you looking to twenty twenty four? What do you what do you think uh, happens next year? I think that what I mean the big the big event that a lot of people are are pointing to, and I'm sure it's been spoken about on on your you know on your podcast before. Um, is the Bitcoin having, and I am paying attention to just the narratives that develop around that. I think in the past you've seen the in the past that the narrative was always the the having is the most bullish thing that's ever going to happen on the planet, and, and you know just kind of looking at what's happened previously, and you see all these charts and you see all these things that make it seem like you know, the second the having happens, it's it's going to be. Uh, sunshine, sunshine and rainbows forever, basically. But you're starting to also see some people counteract that and now debate that the having is actually either not going to be uh, some type of of bullish catalyst, or even on the flip side, I've seen people to start arguing that it's actually a bearish scenario. Um, so I'm really interested in what what happens with that. Um, I don't necessarily think that the having, as as I've kind of looked at a bunch of components and just examined other people's research, I'm maybe more moving to the middle ground where I don't think it's going to be this instant bullish catalyst. It's going to take longer to come into effect. Um, but I also don't necessarily think it's going to be some type of of bearish hindrance to the industry because of miners overall. Yeah, that's kind of where if I had to bet uh, right now, because I was I was just um, I think Joe uh, Weisenthal from Bloomberg wrote a piece about this on you know his his markets uh, newsletter the other day, and so people were talking about it. And I did a poll on Twitter where I asked people, you know, is it is it going to be kind of a number go up thing, a number go down thing, a uh, uh, doesn't matter, doesn't make it a real impact thing, or um, you know something that's a, a positive force from a price perspective, but uh, over a longer period of time. And my guess is that uh, whatever the impact is will be over a longer period of time. So it's almost more of a question of how people respond to there not being uh, a, a, a clear movement either way right away. You know, and and it's almost like I feel like to some extent it's good to have some of these debates now because it. Um, I feel like it potentially helps minimize the chance that uh, of deflated expectations, you know, like if, if it would be really easy to see a scenario where even if it was the positive force that everyone thinks you're not going to see it for uh, a, a meaningful amount of time uh, after it actually happens or, you know, whatever that interval is. And people are so anticipating it that when it doesn't happen, they just get frustrated and that, you know, sends the price down or whatever. So, um, you know, maybe maybe having some more rational expectations about it. Uh, uh, will help, you know, will help def- defray that a little bit. But then again, that's, that might be a lot to ask for. Yeah, it's it, it's it'll be really interesting to watch in general, I think, because there are it, it's one of the few scenarios I feel like where there actually is historical evidence to look at things in the past. But, you know, in the past few years, since the last having things have obviously changed quite a bit. Um, so I'm curious to see how the changes in the you know in the mining ecosystem and the trading ecosystem because yes it is a you know it is a supply shock you're reducing the you know the daily supply of a bitcoin that's hitting the market that presumably some aspect of that is going to be sold by by miners 
But then those aren't the only people that can can move the price of crypto assets and, and just Bitcoin in general. We've seen that over and over again. So um, I don't think it's it's the only factor, but it'll be interesting because there is a lot of of good research uh, on both sides of you know on both sides of the coin with this. So I'm excited to see how it ends up just panning out in the long run. As far as like a definitive statement on my end, I certainly don't have one because I'm not smart enough for that. But um, I'm, I'll be keenly watching it. Yeah. Um, well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, love getting your perspective as always. And uh, for, for folks who want to follow you, where they where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my Twitter profile is at crypto underscore Bobby. If you're ever looking for an opportunity or hiring in crypto, you go to proofoftalent.co. Uh, and happy to see you there as well. Right on. Well, thanks so much. And I uh, hope you have a great holiday. Yeah, thanks a lot for the time. You too. Welcome back. Uh, we are hanging out today with a very special guest. Uh, Preeti, uh, tell, you're working on a really, really cool project. I've had a chance to um, to hang out with you a little bit. And it's it's evolved a lot in 2019. I would love to just start by by hearing kind of um, how, how the project has evolved over the course of the year. Uh, true story, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, true story. Um, it's it's a platform for its debate. And basically, we use crypto incentives to incentivize productive debate. And it's been an interesting evolution. Um, and we've noticed that the crypto incentives actually are a very powerful way to drive behavior. And we're excited to keep experimenting in that regard. I think it's really cool. So one of the things that's really interesting is if you kind of look back, like I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I think there's a lot of pent up energy around wanting to do experiments with crypto incentives and actually see if some of these theses and suppositions around how you could organize networks differently and coordinate behavior differently, like these things that were theoretically and intellectually talked about uh, during the ICO boom, but got so sidelined just because of the the mass influx of you know capital and energy and attention. I feel like there's a, a lot of folks who are who are looking to the to the next couple of years to actually be able to uh, to experiment with that. Um, but maybe that's maybe that's a segue for uh, you know we were just kind of starting to talk through this, um, and I'd love to hear what you think. What, what was 2019 in the historical arc of crypto? You know, what is the significance of, of the last year? What do you think people will tell? Tell how, how do you think people will tell the story of, of the last year? Sure. Um, I think 2019, from my perspective, was a big part of what I focused on was like really seeing out how the IEO model plays out. Because we saw in 2017 that the ICO model was kind of the first generation of trying to introduce tokens, um, incentives, fundraising. Like we didn't really know even know what this token thing even meant. Um, but then we got a little bit smarter in 2018. And 2019 was the year of the IEOs where people are trying to figure out more sustainable, realistic ways to launch and distribute a token. Um, and Binance was a big player in this. And I think Coinbase is going to get into the game as well. But I still don't think we're there yet. I think there's still a lot to be figured out of how to actually structure these tokens, how to distribute, it, distribute, distribute them, how to launch them, how much to raise in each round. Because right now we're still kind of like halfway between the ICO model and what I think is the ideal model. So I'm excited to see over the next two to five years of where we go in terms of how we think about launching and distributing a token. And to be honest, I think the biggest hindrance in this area has been like regulatory hurdles because 
regulator, uh, the regulators have honestly no idea what they want to do with tokens and how what they they have no idea like how they want to regulate it. So they have given entrepreneurs and builders no clarity, and as a result, it's much harder for entrepreneurs to experiment with different kind of token ideas and token models. So I think that's been a huge hindrance for the space, but. Hopefully, over the next couple of years, we'll start to see a lot more clarity, and then we'll start to see the realistic way to actually launch and distribute a token. Yeah, the the IEO thing was really interesting because I think that at the beginning of the year, uh, some folks, a lot of the leftover, kind of the leftover ICO investors in particular, were really hoping that it would be ICO 2.0 and would create, you know, alt season or whatever the meme is, um, you know, returned, and it just hasn't, you know. But at the same time, it's it's like it's it feels like a, a still a nascent experiment, and 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 in some ways, m- almost about like. The, the other part of the story of IEOs is just the the continued evolution and iteration on the part of the exchanges themselves as they figure out like what the business model for this industry is. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you don't. I mean, I think even the, a lot of the IEOs, like you said, um, they've been you know they've been able to raise a decent amount of money, but they haven't really performed that well. And I'm trying to still figure out, is it just that the crypto market is just not there yet in the sense that the the demand for these tokens and all that is not there? Or is it that the projects were uh, not reputable or is it some mix of both? And I think it's some mix of both, obviously, because like I I took a look at some of these projects that did IEOs. And and honestly, if you if you probably put these projects, um, you know, five, 10 years ahead, uh, they'd probably be do do really well. So I think my my thesis around why some of why the IEOs haven't really fully matured is because I think we're just a little too early, and some of these things just need to. The consumer mindset is not completely there yet, um, and I think we're kind of um, two steps ahead of where the world is when it comes to some of these innovative crypto ideas. So we'll we'll see how it progresses. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think uh, timing is everything, right? Um, but with, I guess, with that, like you know, so we've talked a little bit about 2019. Now let's jump ahead. When you survey what you think is to come, what are your predictions for 2020? What do you think uh, is going to happen next year on this? You know, in this regard, in terms of kind of tokens and crypto fundraising, or, or in any other topic, I guess, related to the industry. Yeah, I think. Like my, I could be totally wrong about this. So uh, my gut says, I, I don't think we're going to have an, a boom yet in 2020. Like, I just don't see it. I think there's still a lot to be built in the mm-hmm. crypto space. And I think 2020 will look honestly a lot like 2019, where there are people are still trying to build and kind of build the foundations, you know, get a lot of regulatory clarity, like get all the building blocks and bridges in place before all these innovative ideas can actually like really take off. Um, so I think 2020 will be another experimentation year. And we just have to admit that crypto is we're in experimentation phase now, and we're not going to get to like mass consumer scale unless, you know, Facebook or um, one of these other big companies launches their project and really gets distribution. Right. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a crypto native project that gets that type of distribution uh, natively yet. I, again, I, I genuinely have spent I spent enough time in the space now that I think we we are still at least two to five years away from any kind of big thing happening. 
Yeah, I, I listen. I think that our our sense of timing and how fast things should move was totally warped by ICOs, right? And totally like that was uh, almost in some ways like an accident of history about how that all came together. Um, and I think that 2019 has just kind of reinforcing a lot of your points been a year of almost accepting. Uh, that we are at this building phase and that there is so much more to be built and that it's going to take a long time. And I, I tend to, to share your instinct that at least as it relates to a lot of these crypto products and breaking outside of the the actual kind of market of early adopters and testers that, that we all represent, um, I don't see where that happens. Now, that's not to say that there can't be some breakout use case that we don't know. And I also think that there are, there are segments uh, of this market that are poised to obviously be hugely influential, right? Like the, the whole space around central bank digital currencies is going to be a bigger and bigger topic, you know, but in some ways, that's almost this totally separate thing from, you know, uh, crypto projects and, and projects that use, you know, crypto driven incentives to, to organize behavior in new ways. So it's, uh, I, I feel like I, I, I it's going to be really interesting to see just, you know, w- one, um, is there any catalyst for, uh, for for real shifts, or you know, to your point, is it does it look kind of a lot like this year, and uh, and two, um, you know, w- whether that's actually a, an okay thing because we just kind of need the time to keep building. Yep, absolutely. And I think my recommendation to entrepreneurs and builders in this space is like, um, you know, like a lot of these projects failed not because they were bad ideas or the incentives were bad. Um, I think, again, it comes back to timing. So one way to think about how to launch an experiment with crypto is instead of reinventing the, the entire incentive scheme, maybe, you know, do layers at a time. So like introduce small, like have the project be mostly Web 2.0 or whatever, and then have like a small layer that's crypto. So you can start testing um, the incentives and introducing it slowly rather than you know, completely going decentralized, you know, gung ho, um, because I don't think the users are there yet in terms of like, yeah, like I can, I'm willing to sacrifice my convenience and all that to get into this de- decentralized future. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with 2020 and the future. I love it. Well, uh, great predictions. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to look back, uh, you know, 12 months from now and see, to see how, how this all played out. But for now, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know the end of year can be super busy. So uh, thanks for sharing your insights. No problem. Thanks.